when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silver and black and now your host evan Grote. let's go raider nation it is draft week here on just pod baby i am your host evan Grote, and thanks for being with me this week just pod baby is brought to you by silver and black we've got a fun show planned for you this week it's all about the draft that is where we will start and that is where we will end tonight. And to help me do all of that is my co-host this week. It's been a while since we've had him on, but we do have him tonight. I know he's very excited about his New York Knicks. Let's say hello to Mo Moten. Yeah, before we get into any Raiders talk, we got to give a shout out to the Knicks because they've been getting crapped on for, for how long? And the Knicks are finally back. And as they say with the Raiders in the NFL, when the Raiders are doing well, the NFL is a better product. When the Knicks are doing well, the NBA is a better product. So I just want to start out my welcome back with, with that statement because it's live out here. A lot of people are excited. I know the Nets are the number one seed in, in the East, but everyone's happy about the Knicks, and everyone should be because, when again, when the Knicks are good, everything's great in the NBA. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that that uh, you know you mentioned the Raiders and the Knicks both when they're mm-hmm. when they're playing well, their leagues usually benefit from that. And I do agree with you; that's true. And it has been a very long time coming from uh, Knicks fans. I'm not a I'm not a Knicks fan myself, but I, I as I've told you before, I I used to live in the city, and uh, I've I've been to a few Knicks games at the Garden, so I know that you know the passion that that fan base has, the their energy and the enthusiasm of that fan base. And it reminds me a lot of Raider nation. So I, I thought that was great that you made that comparison yourself, but I, I do hope for, for your sanity, uh, that the Knicks continue to play well, hope they get into the playoffs and, uh, you know, talk about how, you know, you must be a, a glutton for punishment to choose the <laughs> Knicks and the Raiders as two of your, your favorite teams. Yeah. I mean, I don't talk about this a lot on podcasts, but when people do ask, it's a very weird, combination you know the Raiders on the other side for me the Raiders on the other side of the country because I'm in New York City and people say well how did you become a Raider fan and a Knicks fan and the the way I'll sum it up really quickly here is I I grew up in a family of Knicks fans so I was kind of born into it and and as far as Raiders are concerned I my personality and the Raiders personality kind of being outcast growing up because I you know going going through schooling I'm sure people probably don't know this or Maybe they do if they know me, but I was kind of in the middle. Like I wasn't a popular kid in school, but I wasn't like a nobody. I was kind of in the middle. Like I mixed with different groups of people. So I kind of saw myself as as kind of an outcast in a way, even though I was inclusive with different groups in, in, in my in my younger schooling days. But I just felt like, you know, people didn't understand me in certain areas. Like you have a group of friends, but they don't understand this side of your personality. You're with that group of friends, but they don't understand another side of your personality. So I felt like I identified with the Raiders in that sense where I was kind of an enigma to certain people and people didn't understand me. And I was like, that that football team kind of represents who I am as a person. I know that's deep philosophy there, but that's that's my connection to the, to the Raiders across the country from New York City. 
Yeah, well, hey, you're you're a deep guy, Mo. You have deep <laughs> thoughts. You're wise beyond your years. And I know you just had a birthday there a couple weeks ago. Happy belated, but you are uh, very wise, and that's why I like you so much. But, Mo, uh, we're going to move on from the NBA. We've got a much bigger event that we're going to be talking about tonight, and, of course, that's the NFL draft. Uh, we're just a couple days away now. I'm not sure how you feel about the draft, Mo. We've never really spoke about this, but for me, personally, it's, it's probably – top five uh, sporting events uh, on my calendar every year. I, I love the draft. I love the analyzing of the players that goes on in the uh, the past couple months, what we've been hearing, the speculation of where these players might go, the drama of the trades. I really can't get enough of it. My friends think I'm nuts. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to Thursday night. But, uh, you know, what we have planned for you guys tonight is, uh, as he does uh, the last two years, actually. Uh, this is the third year Mo and I have, have done this show. Um, Mo comes through uh, the week of the draft, and he normally runs through a full round one mock draft for all 32 teams. But this year, we changed it up slightly. What we're going to be doing this year is a, I'm calling it a dueling uh, six-round Raiders-only mock draft. And I say six rounds because uh, the Raiders do have eight picks this week in the draft, but none coming in round seven. So they'll be making all eight of those picks in in the first six rounds. So that's kind of the plan of attack for tonight. We're going to be revealing our picks. We'll alternate picks, Mo. Um, and we'll give you guys a little bit of rationale, um, a little bit of thoughts process behind, behind why we made those picks. And we can also kind of critique each other's picks, Mo. Just don't rip mine apart too much if you don't mind. <laughs> and um, but, but there is one thing I want to talk to you about real quick, Mo, because it's been a while since I had you on. I think it was just before free agency started. Uh, I want to get some of your just some brief thoughts about how you think they did in free agency. You can comment on both offense and defense. Um, how do you think they did? I, if I were to grade the Raiders offseason free or well, free agency, I would I would give them a solid B. I, I would have liked to see them be a little more aggressive with the safety position. Um, wasn't too thrilled about what they did. I know they picked up Carl Joseph late, but um, I was listening to uh, Vic Tafer and just kind of listening to Mayock, his last presser, and it seems as though Carl Joseph could be a backup for Jonathan Abram. Now, I feel like he could play both safety positions. And he did it at West Virginia. Uh, he, I believe he had he had a handful of picks his last year before he tore his ACL. And I, and I think he has the range to, to play center field, read the quarterback. And I think that's his best position because you don't want to match him up against man-on-man uh, -man against a tight end. It's not his strength. And he struggled there in his first stint with the Raiders. So I feel like he, he fits as a free safety and I also retweeted something from Mike Mayock uh, during Carl Joseph's draft year in 2016, where he said he he raved about Carl Joseph's range and said he has the ability to to play free safety. So I don't I I don't get why Carl Joseph would be a backup to Jonathan Abram. Uh, of course, we'll see what happens during the draft, but I feel like they could have done better at the free safety position. Um, there's a pick that caused a lot of controversy that I liked that a lot of people didn't, and that was Kenyon Drake. Big fan of Kenyon Drake coming out of Alabama, and I think him and Jacobs together, Gruden loves to run the ball. He wants to establish the run, those two together. I put out an article in Bleach Report, and I ranked them as the second best running back duo across the league. And I think if if the Raiders can get their offensive line right, if those guys um, come together after the Raiders kind of you know, broke apart their offensive line, I, I think Jacobs and Drake can be 
could be a productive pair and be one of the top pairs across the league, kind of like how Nick Chubb and Green Hunt are in Cleveland. So I really like that that move. A lot of people question the amount of money. I believe he's getting eleven million guaranteed. I, I get it. Gruden Gruden, he's very aggressive. If he wants if he wants a player, he's gonna pay that player and get that player in, in his doors. So I don't mind. Um the Raiders aren't crippled cap wise. They got they got the player that Gruden wanted. As far as the wide receiver position goes, I, I was hoping Nelson Aguilar would stay. Obviously he went to New England for other opportunities. The Raiders did bring in Willie Sneed. They brought back Zay Jones, uh, John Brown. So, you know, they got some veterans there. But I, I think the the story of that position is Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards have to step up your first and third round picks from last year. And, of course, you got Hunter Renfro on the slot. The one thing I will point out about the defense, though, that I did like is that they really beefed up in the middle. They added Quentin Jefferson, who's very versatile. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who I think was their biggest pickup in free agency. He's going to lead the team in sacks most likely. No offense to Max Crosby. Um, they picked up Solomon Thomas, who I think if he's healthy enough to practice and play, he could make the roster. But I don't. I wouldn't put any guarantees there. I, I don't want to be negative Nancy or negative Nate, but I don't think Solomon Thomas is a lock to make the roster. I think there's a possibility he could lose out in the spot, especially you got David Irving back, and if they draft. Uh, a defensive tackle this week, I think Solomon Thomas could be in trouble. I know a lot of people are excited because he was a top three pick in the draft uh, a few years ago. But again, coming off of a serious injury, I think he's on the bubble. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you had to say there. Uh, you were a little bit more generous with your grade. I, I would have given him more like a, a C, C plus. Um, Offensively, you know, I do have some concerns about the offensive line. Uh, you know, the idea of starting uh, Andre James at center. I know they love him, but we're talking about a guy who has about 115 career snaps, I believe it is, in the league, 23 years old. Uh, not only do they decide to roll with him, but they give him a pay raise as well. You know, what are they going to do at right tackle? I'm assuming they're going to address that uh, later this week in the draft. Um, but uh, you know, I had no problems with what they did at, at running back, like you mentioned, Kenyon Drake. Okay, maybe in year two that money gets a little bit uh, pricey, uh, but you know that's that's I'm not going to worry too much about that. I think you touched on a great point with the wide receivers. This is a big year for Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. Uh, I, you know, if they're expecting, if the Raiders are expecting John Brown to just step in and and, and pick up right where Nelson Aguilar left off. I think that's 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 asking a lot, okay? I think the Raiders got a little bit lucky last year uh, signing Aguilar so late in free agency to that one year, I think it was a million dollars, and the way that he produced, they, they really they really lucked out there. And um, if they're thinking that kind of thing could happen again with John Brown, uh, you know, I think they're mistaken. I'm not saying he can't do that, but you know, you're looking to, to 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 catch lightning in a bottle two years in a row there. I think you're gonna have to see a lot more from those two young receivers, Edwards and Ruggs. And and you know, until I see it, um, it's hard for me to believe it. So I, I like both players, but they've got a long way to go from what we saw last year. And for me, the the big problem that I, I have is on defense. I thought going into free agency, they had to bring in at least two what I thought were you know, difference makers. And I think they did that with what unique and Gakaway. I think he's, he's a difference maker. He's definitely going to, you know, you're going to feel his presence and you're going to, you're going to see his presence uh, on the field this year. Um, but outside of him, I don't think they brought in anyone. You, you mentioned the missed opportunity at free safety. I'm with you on that. And I know they brought, brought in a lot of bodies along the defensive line. 
the guy who I'm most uh, intrigued by is Quentin Jefferson. He's of course played with the Buffalo Bills last year, so I've had a lot of conversations with mm-hmm. people here in Buffalo about him. You know, it, it sounds like he can be a, a decent player, but is he going to be an immediate impact? Is he going to transform that defensive line? I'm not so sure on that. Um, I know some people are more excited about Solomon Thomas than I am. Like you, I, I'll be surprised if he makes the roster. I, I really do believe that. I am, mm-hmm. um, you know, was he playing out of place last uh, the last couple of years in San Francisco? That's probably true. He's probably better suited to be on the inside rather than out on the edge. Um, Darius Phylon's another guy they brought in who's been out of the league for two years. And I know uh, a couple years ago when he was in the league he had some decent seasons but who knows what he's going to bring to the table after missing the last couple of years so um you know I still think there's some question marks along that defensive line and and when I look at the defense in particular as far as the personnel goes I don't think there's much of an upgrade at all I mean yes in Gakaway as we as we said uh is definitely a difference maker but overall um I I don't know how much better this defense uh, got on paper. So uh, th- those are some of my thoughts. And, and it sounds like we're, we're pretty much on the same page there. So, um, mm-hmm. all right, let, let's, let's get into this, this mock draft here. And I want to preface this by saying that Mo and I both use those online draft simulators that are out there. I'm sure you guys are all very familiar with those. Uh, Mo, I think you use the draft network. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And I used, uh, I'm more of a fanspeak.com guy myself, so we use two different types of simulators here, and I know that these things, you know, they're not the most realistic options out there, but it's all we have right now, and, and so uh, that's what we use, and, and we, we had a little fun doing it. So, Mo, I'm going to give you the honors. Why don't you go ahead and tell us who your round one selection is? I've been riding with the selection ever since the Raiders traded uh, Trent Brown to the uh, to New, uh, New England Patriots, and that's Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. I just feel like he's the perfect fit. I don't get how some people are saying that he would be an overdraft at 17. I, I guess because a lot of mock drafts have him going in the 20s. I, a lot of a lot of mock drafts I've seen have a match to the Jets. Um, but I think he's a, he's a fine pick at 17. I, I think he's going to be one of the top offensive tackles when it's all said and done. We look at this draft class. A lot of people say, well, how good can Tevin Jenkins be if he's you know, the fourth or fifth offensive tackle off the board? And I'll, I'll direct them to Tristan Wirfs last year, who the Tampa Buccaneers picked up. He was the fourth offensive tackle last year, and he was probably arguably the, the, the best one of the bunch. Makai Becton maybe has a has an argument there as well, but Tristan Wirfs was just fine with the Buccaneers, and he played, he played throughout the year and solidified that offensive line. I think Tevin Jenkins can do that for the Raiders, he has experience all over the line, but of course, he's played most of his uh, time at, at right tackle. Strong hands. He's very light on his feet. He's a better. He's probably better in the run game than he is in the in the pass protection right now. But I think with some season, I think he he'll even out and he'll be he'll be fine in both areas. And we mentioned, well, I mentioned Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. If you got those guys in your backfield and you want a Nick Chubb and and a Kareem Hunt type situation there, I think Tevin Jenkins can help you with that immediately. And the run game. I was on with Pritch and Clay a couple of weeks ago, and he was and Pritch was on me about Kevin. Can Tevin Jenkins step in right away and start and handle guys like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and Joey Bose on the edge? And I and I think my answer was, was yes. I think Tevin Jenkins 
He has the experience. He's played a lot of college football. This isn't a guy who was just a, a starter last year or two for two years, I believe three years over the span. He's been he's been the guy on Oklahoma State's offensive line. I think he, he's a tone setter also. And I think you get that at right tackle. Where you have Colt Miller, who's more of a fluid athlete. Tevin Jenkins isn't isn't necessarily stiff. But he's more power than than athletic, and I think he just has enough athleticism and movement to again solidify the offensive line for the Raiders going into the season. Yeah, hard, hard to argue that pick. It's a it's a huge need, arguably the the biggest one that remains on the roster right now. And I, I think if you pulled the fan base right now, he would have to be the leader in the club uh, clubhouse to be the the, the favorite. To, to be that pick. I think a lot of people are on board with you and uh, I would be perfectly fine if, if he was the pick. Um, you mentioned the experience 20 and the versatility, 26 starts at right tackle, seven starts at left tackle. And he's also got two starts, which came uh, in his first year in 2017 at, at guard. So, um, uh, you know, obviously primarily a tackle, but does have a little bit of experience at guard. And I, I love that sort of thing. Um, you mentioned the, some people were saying it might be, a, I guess, a reach or maybe overdrafting mm-hmm. him at that spot. Um, I disagree with that. I don't think I don't think it's a reach there. Um, but but the one question I'm going to present you with real quick um, before I give you my pick is, um, what, what would you say if a, a in a trade back scenario there would you feel comfortable there? Let's say that that option presented itself Thursday night for the Raiders. And they're sitting there on the clock at 17. Jenkins is still available. Um, do you think they could trade back a few spots, maybe into the early 20s, and still get a guy like Jenkins? I would be careful with that. Only because, number one, you don't know who else may be targeting Jenkins you know, after that after that spot. Because I think offensive tackles, I think you're going to see six offensive tackles come off the board on day one so let's say they do trade back uh, hypothetically speak let's say they trade back with the jets right and the jets move up to 17 and they and they get you know a, a cornerback let's say you know a, a jc horn now you're looking at now could chicago take tevin jenkins because they cut bobby massey this offseason they need a right tackle you know, Washington may be looking to get younger at, at tackle or may may want to move Tevin Jenkins inside the guard because there is discussion that Tevin Jenkins may be able to shift inside because he, he doesn't have that 34-inch arm length that a lot of coaches and teams look for. Some teams may see him as a guard and move him inside, so he could possibly wind up with Washington. But I think Chicago would be the team that could swipe him. It, the Titans at 22, they had an issue with their first-round pick last year in Isaiah Wilson, who's, by the way, from Brooklyn. Uh, they they parted ways with him, and he's got some issues off the field. So they have an opening at right tackle as well. So depending on how far the Raiders move back, I wouldn't want to move behind Chicago or Tennessee if you really like Tevin Jenkins because those are the two teams that really need a right tackle. He can go in those spots. So I, I wouldn't risk it. I would just take him at 17. All right, fair enough. Okay, so um, with with my first pick, I, I went in a little bit different direction, and, and you mentioned you've been going on with Pritch and Clay. I've been going on with Vinny Bonsignor quite a bit in the past few weeks, and, and um, one of the guys that we are always talking about, uh, we both really like um, – is Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Uh, now, this is more so what I would prefer they do, not necessarily what I think they will do. Um, but with that being said, I went defense. I think 
Parsons is arguably the best defensive player in this draft. Um, you know, will he be there at 17 is the question. There's a couple other teams that he would have to get past in order to make it to the Raiders. I think Denver is one of those teams who I, I keep seeing uh, his name, you know, being linked to in, in mock drafts. So that, that could be a problem there. But I do believe if he falls to 17, I think you have to make him the pick. Um, and, and and here's my logic. I know I know that the bigger need is at tackle and probably safety as well. Um, but I think there's there's some really quality tackles um, that will be available in round two because there is so much depth at the position this year at tackle. You know, in a perfect world, when I'm picking at 48 in round two, um, I'm hoping to have some options like a, a Walker Little from Stanford, uh, Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, um, Sam Kuzmi, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, from Texas, and even the kid out of um, South Dakota State, uh, Dylan Randuns. Those are all guys that... Um, you know, I, I see with with you know round two grades on them. So I think to take a gamble on a guy like uh, Parsons in round one and, and hope that you can still grab a tackle in round two is is something that I'm I'm worth uh, worth taking. And as far as the safety is concerned, I, I just don't feel like there is a a surefire round one safety in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I think it would be a bit of a reach to take. Trayvon Morig here at, at 17. Now, maybe if there was a trade back um, to the maybe the the end of round one or, you know, pick 27, somewhere around that range, then I would feel more comfortable going with a safety at 17. Uh, but in this case, um, I went best player available, and that was uh, Micah Parsons for me. Now, uh, let me defend this pick. <laughs> well, you know, because I know some people out there are probably saying, "Oh, we just signed Corey Littleton and and Nick Kwiatkowski a year ago, and they brought back Nicholas Morrow for uh, four point five million dollars. That is a one year deal, by the way. And Kwiatkowski carries only two point five million dollars in dead cap space uh, after this season, so he could be cut if they decided they wanted to move on from him. And I think Parsons steps in immediately, and he's he's a better option than both of those two guys right now, maybe even Littleton, to be perfectly honest with you. Gus Bradley, he is the new voice of this defense. I think his... His opinion and his voice carries a lot of a lot of weight with John Gruden. I do think there's there's a level of trust there. And um, thinking back on a couple of the other players that Gus Bradley has drafted as a head coach or as a defensive coordinator, back to his time in Jacksonville, he dra- he drafted uh, Telvin Smith, and just last year with the Chargers, I believe it was round two, I think uh, they drafted uh, Kenneth Murray out First of. Round. Oh, it was the first round. Okay. Traded back into the first round. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Because they had Herbert and then they picked up Murray Mm -hmm. as well. So, uh, you know, so there's a little bit of a a, a track record there with with, um, Bradley being aggressive, going to get a linebacker. And and this guy, he can do it all. He can blitz. He can cover. He can tackle in the run game. He's sideline and sideline speed and all that. I mean, he ran a 4-3-8-40. The guy's a freak. Um, and, And the bottom line is this, Mo. We talked about it a lot throughout the season. The Raiders had the 30th ranked defense in the NFL last year. Uh, I mentioned I thought they needed to add two difference makers in free agency. They got one in Ngakwe, and now I think they can make up for that by getting Parsons here in, in round one. Yeah, for, I'm going to start off. First of all, I'm going to start off with the bad news. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit. Go ahead. I I, I actually I I know there's talk about Michael Parsons 
possibly falling in the draft. I don't believe he will. I don't think he gets out of the top 10. I, I, if Detroit doesn't move out of the seventh spot, if Detroit Lions stay in the seventh spot, I think they're going to select Michael Parsons. I think, as you do, I think he's a difference maker in the middle of the of a defense, and he can do different things. He can stop the run, he can rush the passer. So I think he, I think his value will be up. Now, the reason people think he's going to fall is because of some off field things. I mean, you can people listening to our podcast, um, your podcast, you could just Google the things that Parsons has been involved with on the collegiate level. Um, not great things, but again, not things that necessarily would make him fall that far to me, in my opinion, to the middle of the first round. So I think he's going to go in the top 10. And other than Detroit, I would say Denver is another spot that may pick him up. But I, I think he's I think he's a guy that you, you have to have as a difference maker it, 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 early in the first round. Now, let's say he does fall and he is the pick for the Raiders. I would say it's a great pick. I do agree with you. Even though you have Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton and Tanner Muse and, and Nick Nicholas Moore there, you could still upgrade. Um, best player available strategy is what you would be looking at in that position. I actually think that you don't you don't necessarily have to use Michael Parsons as a middle linebacker. I think he's good enough where you can line him up at, as a Sam on the strong side because he can rush the passer. So that that gives the Raiders an extra an extra an extra defender who can get who can get to the quarterback and that's what the Raiders really need. You mentioned uh Gus Bradley's history and you mentioned uh Kenneth Murray. A lot of a lot of Raider fans wanted Kenneth Murray last year. Turns out he went to the Chargers. So when you mentioned that, it kind of it kind of brought back memory and I'll say it the pick makes sense. And I think if Michael Parsons is there at 17 and Tevin Jenkins is there at 17, it'll be close. And I would still want Tevin Jenkins, but I wouldn't be mad if they went Parsons. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. All right, Mo, tell us what you got in round two. Uh, I've been riding with this guy for maybe a good part of two months, Richie Grant out of UCF. I, I, I just think he's the guy, and I agree, just to go back to what you said about safeties in the first round, I totally agree with you. I would not draft any safety at 17. I don't think any of the safeties in this draft worth that spot. Xavier McKinney was the best safety in last year's draft, and he went at the beginning of the of the second round to the Giants. And I don't think either of these safeties, to me, because of McKinney's versatility, I don't think either of these safeties are going to be as good as McKinney uh, years down the line. But my guy would be Richie Grant. I actually have him rated higher than uh, Mary got a TCU. But I think Richie Grant is your prototypical single high safety. Maybe he could play split safety in certain schemes. Um, 72 tackles in three out of four seasons, which I think is something that's not going to be his main duty to get tackles in the box. But you want a guy who can at least tackle that position. Usually free safeties are known as guys who are coverage guys. But you want a guy that can also uh, stop a guy if he breaks free. Uh, down the field, 10 deceptions, 17 pass breakups in the last three years, has great eye discipline. And again, he has the range to play single high and Gus Bradley's cover three uh, zone system. So I think he, to me, in, in the second round, I think he's the pick. A lot of people think he may not be available at 48. Some people feel like the Raiders may have to move up a few spots to get him. I don't see that because in the NFL, if you look at the way safeties are paid and and, and how they linger around in free agency and how they last during drafts. Safeties are not a premium position. So typically you're going to have good safeties available. I think Richie Grant will be available at 48. If he's not, 
Uh, my sleeper guy is Jamar Johnson out of, out of Indiana. I think he's a guy people need to watch out for, even though he has one full year of starting at the position. I think he, I compare him to Julian Blackman last year, who went to the Colts out of Utah. Julian Blackman had an injury. I believe he tore his ACL. He's flourishing now with the Colts. I compare Jamar Johnson to him. Um, that's my backup safety if Richie Grant isn't available. But I think Richie Grant is the pick at 40 if he's there. Uh, we mentioned we talked about the safety position. The Raiders did sign Carl Joseph, but there's some talk from Vic Tafer that he's more of a backup to John Abram at strong safety than a free safety. We'll see. I disagree with that. But I think regardless, you pick up Richie Grant and he's just starting safety week one. Yeah, another very sensible pick there. And I, I like what you've done here. You, you check off the two biggest needs on the roster with two guys that I, I really like. And in regards to Richie Grant, uh, you have been on him for a while. Shows you're a loyal guy, Mo. You've been on Tevin <laughs> Jenkins. Everything. Loyalty's everything. <laughs> you have not gotten off those guys, which is good. Um, and, and, you know, we really saw Richie Grant stock really mm-hmm. just grow and grow and grow ever since, uh, you know, he had that strong showing uh, at the Senior Bowl. So, and uh, one, one of the things that you mentioned about him that I really like, it uh, attracts me to him, is um, you know, the, the, the production, the ball production, the ball skills, uh, seven forced fumbles and 10 interceptions in four seasons. So that's something that this Raiders defense obviously has been lacking, uh, in, in the last few years is, is the ability to take the ball away. So I think he would definitely, uh, help out in that area. So good, good pick there, Mo, uh, for, for my round two pick, much like my first round pick, you know, if, if this player falls to 48, which I'm not so sure, Will happen, but in in this mock that I was I did for this for this show, it, he was there, so I I took him. I think the Raiders would also be thrilled uh, in this scenario. I went with uh, tackle Sam Cosme out of Texas, and I you know I use Dane Brugler's draft guide kind of as my bible. That's that's really what I go off of when I study these prospects, and he's got a second round grade on him. So I um I do think it's possible that that he will be there. You mentioned you think six tackles will go in round one. Do you think Cosme is one of those guys, or do you think he falls to round two? Actually, I have a round two grade on him. Um, okay. I, I I think it it of course it really depends on where the run of tackles how it goes because you know you got you got Darisaw in there. We we mentioned uh, Tevin Jenkins, of course. Penny Sewell is probably a top guy. Rashawn Slay is probably a top guy. Yeah. But I think I think Cosby could be in the conversation. Some people may like Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. He didn't necessarily test well. Not the most athletic tackle. Cosby to me is more in the Colton Miller lane, and I'll explain that as he's more of an athletic tackle, more of a fluid mover. Uh, he kind of has the same profile as Colton Miller when he came out in 2018, where they both had experience at both tackle positions. But it's kind of, I believe, um, I think I believe Colton Miller had more experience at right tackle. I believe he had two years at right tackle and one year at left tackle. Whereas Colton, I believe, has one year at right tackle and two years at left tackle. So he has the position versatility. We can play on both sides. He's athletic. He's not necessarily a physical tackle. Again, he's more of an athletic guy who you want in the zone blocking scheme. So as far as the template goes, if you're if you're looking at what the Raiders did with Colton Miller and you're saying they want a player like Colton Miller, I think Cosme is the closest thing in this draft class to to a Colton Miller if you want to plug him in on the other side of the line. Well, Mo, great minds think alike because you must have been reading directly from my notes there with that last comment you just said there about your comparison with Colton Miller uh, because I have that written down right here in my notes. He reminds me of Colton Miller 
coming mm-hmm. out of, of UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those guys were, were really athletic guys. Um, Cosme ran a, a four eight five forty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty impressive for a guy three hundred fourteen pounds. And much like Miller needed to do after his rookie year, he he may need to add some strength and some size to that frame of his. And, yeah. um, you know, he might have trouble early on handy, handling, you know, a, a bull rush, that kind of thing, much like Colt Miller did. But, I, but again, I couldn't agree with you more there. And, and for me at this pick, it came down to either him or uh, Eichenberg from Notre Dame. And I would have been satisfied with either one of those guys, but again, because of the profile that you mentioned, because of the fact that he does remind me of Colton Miller, um, I I made him the pick. Uh, And um, you mentioned the experience. I have it here in my notes. 21 starts at left tackle and and 13 starts at at right tackle. And one of the other things I have in my notes here that um, I think – makes him more attracted to the Raiders as he was selected as team captain this past year. Mm-hmm. And because that's something, you know, you hear Gruden and Mayock talk about a lot is guys who are going to be foundational players, locker room guys who love football. And I think anytime you're selected as a team captain, you're, you're displaying uh, some of those traits. So let's go ahead and move on to round three. The Raiders have two picks here in round three, back-to-back picks. Mo, tell us where, where you went here with, with your first pick in round three. The first pick, I was surprised this guy was available, and I went with Davion Nixon out of out of, out of Iowa. I, and I think people, some people have him in the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. I think if any defensive tackle goes in the first round, it'll be it'll be Christian Barmore out of Alabama. Though if Davion Nixon does go first round, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. Uh, Matt Miller, who who used to work for Bleacher Report, said he wouldn't be surprised if of Levi Onzerike. Goes in the first round, who's another defensive tackle out there, but that's another conversation. But uh, I think um, Davion Nixon in round three is great value because all of the Raiders, and I talked about it, the Raiders did beef up the middle of their defensive line. A lot of those contracts are one-year deals, and the Raiders are going to need long-term players in the middle of that line uh, to solidify that to solidify that, that pass rush, that inside-out pass rush to help Max Crosby, to help Cleveland Farrell, to help Yannick Ngakwe get to the quarterback. So they're going to need guys to to eat up some blocks and also to to rush the passer. As you, as many people may know, the Raiders did let go of Mo Hurst, and I and I think they will again. They're going to need some young guys in the middle of that line. Davion Nixon, 6'3", 313 pounds with thirty eight and one eighth inch arms. So big guy, long arms. Uh, it was kind of like a slanted nose in a two gap scheme on the collegiate level, so he can possibly, he has some position versatility. Maybe he can move around. He led the nation in tackles for loss 13 and a half last season. So that's something, he, there's production there. He's an aggressive, downhill, penetrating defensive tackle. And again, that's what the Raiders need up front. Yeah, Brugler has him with a, a round three grade. So I, I think, I have seen him kind of all over the board, but I, I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him you know, somewhere there on, on day two. Um, and we talked about the athletic ability of um, Cosme for a guy 314 pounds. Nixon clocks in at 313 pounds, and he ran his 40 in 4.8 seconds. So he, this guy can move. Did you see the clip of him on that interception return that he had, Mo? Yes. Just, the guy can move. He can really move for a big man. He, uh, you know, he's, he plays with a very quick first step. He's got an explosive first step, and um, you know, the Raiders need a disruptor on the inside. Um, it would definitely do wonders for those guys out on the edge. It's been a long time since they had somebody that could make plays in the backfield from the interior. Um, so yeah, I do like that pick. Now my my first pick in round three is I finally finally went out and got a safety, 
And I'm going to go with Andre Sisco from Syracuse. Now, this pick has the potential to either be really good for the Raiders or totally blow up in their face, and I'll explain why. On one hand, Sisco is is super athletic, plays with great range on the back end. He's not afraid of contact at all. He'll come up and run support, and he'll hit you. Um, very much like Jonathan Abram in, in that aspect of the game. Um, but, and, he, and also he was very highly uh, productive in college. In three seasons, he had 29 passes defended and 13 interceptions. He's a ball hawk back there. And as we spoke about with Richie Grant, this Raiders defense desperately needs somebody that can that can create takeaways because they just have not been very good in that area really since 2016 when they were second in the league and that's when they went to the playoffs. So they got to get better there. Um, they just have not forced enough turnovers in recent years. And I think Andre Cisco comes in and can fix that immediately. But here's the big butt with this guy. This is why it concerns me to pair him up with Jonathan Abram. That concerns me because, yeah, <laughs> yeah because Cisco has that aggressive style of play Um and he, you know, he has the tendency to give up big plays. So for every great play, every turnover that he creates, he'll give up a 40-yard touchdown as well. In 2019, he gave up seven touchdowns. Um, and another thing that gives me a little bit of pause about him is his injury history. He's He was banged up a little bit in 2019, missed a couple games, and then this past season in 2020, um, he had to, he, he missed the final eight games of the year with a, ACL injury. So, you know, he he does come with some injury concerns. There are some warts on him, no doubt. But if you can get him to harness some of that recklessness that he brings and get him to play a little bit more under control within himself and a little bit more, you know, m- making some smarter decisions out there, I think he could be a really good player in the league. Yeah, you're either going to have Raider Nation screaming cheers or pulling out what's left of their hair with Jonathan Abram and Cisco back there. And that's that's probably the main reason I stayed away from Cisco. A lot of people, when I tweet about Richie Grant, a lot of people bring up Andre Cisco. And shout out to him. He's from Queens, New York, by the way. But um, I also bring up that he can be – that aggressiveness can also get you in trouble. You want a player who's aggressive and not afraid to make a play on the ball, but – Sometimes that could be a drawback. And do you really want two aggressive safeties in your defensive backfield? I yeah. would prefer one guy that's more cerebral and yeah. then that can kind of balance out with, with uh, Abram's aggressiveness. I, again, I wouldn't be mad at the pick because he does what the Raiders need, and that's a guy who can get the football, turn the football over and get some takeaways. They absolutely need that. Gus Bradley would just need to pull him aside and say, hey, we sometimes just make the right play. You don't need to make the home run play. You don't need to make the game-winning play. Just make a play. And I think if they can harness that, he'll be fine. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. It it it, uh, it, it would really be concerning <laughs> to pair those two back up there. But again, it's it's one of those it's one of those things. If you can just get him to play under control, if you can mm-hmm. if you can get in his ear, you know there could be a lot of upside there. So, all right, let's go ahead and let's hear your pick, your second pick in round three, number eighty overall. Now this pick was tough for me because Carlos Basham was all was also on the board and I really like Carlos Basham. To me he's more of an he's an unpolished version of Cleveland Farrell but a better pass rusher and I think the Raiders would really go for that. But I went with Peyton Turner out of Houston. And I went with Peyton Turner because I think he has a higher ceiling. Whereas Basham I think 
not that he is what he is right now, but I think as far as his pass rushing moves, I don't know if he can develop that much in that area because he's not the most athletic defensive tackle. I mean, he's light on his feet, but he, he doesn't have a, that athletic profile compared to a Peyton Turner who does and also has 35-inch arms. So this is a guy that I think is still growing at the position. What I like also like about him is that he, he played with his hand in the ground and he stood up as a pass rusher. So he, he was inside, I believe, as a as a inside the offensive tackle as a four tech. And he also stood up. And again, six five, two seventy. That's a guy I want on my football team, especially if he's still growing, still developing his pass rushing moves along with his athleticism. I like to see bend in my edge rushers, and I think Peyton Turner definitely has that. Ten and a half tackles for loss, five sacks in five games this year. My only worry with him, and you mentioned it with your last pick, is that he does have some injuries. Now, he broke multiple fingers in 2019 and he missed three games with knee and hand injuries last year. Did tear his ACL in 2016, but I'm not too worried about that. Five years removed. Uh, but, the, but the lingering, the minor knee injuries, the minor hand injuries, okay, you could play with a club on your hand as Max Crosby did in his career with the Raiders. But with the knee, I'm kind of concerned, but not as much because, again, he's so far removed from that torn ACL. If he can just stay on the field and develop, I think that could be a home run pick in round three for the Raiders, and they can have him. At, you know, if, if let's say Carl Nassib uh, doesn't pan out, I know he has, I believe, one more year. A lot of people felt like he should have been cut this year, but the Raiders decided to keep him. Assuming he's out of the door, Peyton Turner could come in and be that guy out there on the edge and that rotation for a pretty good pass rush for the Raiders. Yeah, you you mentioned those thirty five inch arms, eighty four inch wingspan. My God, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, that's enormous. And uh, I'm I'm reading through his notes as you're uh, as you're going through your your rationale there. Another team captain. So mm-hmm. uh, again, that's something I always look for. It's one of the notes I'm always looking for. Who are the team captains? Um, the, Ra- the Raiders definitely need some alpha males in that defense. We talked about that a lot on this podcast. They yeah, definitely need that. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're thinking alike here because on my second pick in round three, number 80 overall, I also go with the edge rush. I took Patrick Jones the third out of Pittsburgh, 6'4", 260, another guy who was really highly productive in college, racking up 22 sacks in four years. Um, at Pit, at Pittsburgh, 17 and a half of those 22 sacks came in his final two years to go along with 33 and a half, or no, excuse me, 33 tackles for loss, 25 in the last two years. Um, another team captain. <laughs> and I, I think, again, those are traits that Mayak and Gruden look for in, in prospects, guys that love football. Um, so I think he fits the bill there. Now, a little bit about Jones's game. He, he plays with great effort. He's a high energy kind of guy. Uh, good first step off the ball. Um, you know, may not beat you with power, but he's going to beat you with speed. That's, that's the name of his game. Um, and he's a, he's a, he's a prospect who, as I've been doing these, these draft simulators the last couple months, I found myself drafting him quite a bit here in round three. He always seems to be available here for me in in this round. And Brugler does have him with a round three grade. Um, so I thought it would be a good pick here to, to make on him and, because I kept finding myself drafting him so much, I was, I did a lot of a, a, more research on him than I did a lot of other players. I, I was, you know, checking out some of his film online, and instantly when I was watching him, he reminded me of Yannick Ngakoue. He that's like that's the first person that came to mind when I saw him. Um, again, kind of more of a speed rusher, won't necessarily beat you with the power, and I think he's a good complement to go with what they already have. Cleveland Farrell, Max Crosby, and Nassib, more of power guys, um, and then you, you pair you pair Ngakawe and Jones with those guys, and I think you got yourself a, a pretty good, um, you know, 
versatility as far as the pass rush is concerned. And, and as you mentioned, who knows what the future holds for, for some of those other guys. And, uh, you know, you can never have enough pass rushers. So I, I think round three is, is a good place to pick one up there. So let's go ahead. Round four, moving along here. Round four, who'd you, who'd you select, Mo? Yeah, round four. Um, round four, he he kind of became a star during Senior Bowl week. Uh, Quinn Maynard's out of Wisconsin Whitewater. Now, first of all, I understand he's coming from a D3 school, Division three school, only two years at left guard. So he doesn't have the most experience, right? But as of right now, the Raiders have some veterans in the middle of their offensive line. You got Richie Incognito. Uh, they, they signed Nick Martin in free agency just in case Andre James doesn't work out. You got Denzel Good in there, maybe as a, as a right guard. Uh, John Simpson isn't a seasoned veteran, but they, they seem to be high on him that he can potentially have a role in that offensive line. So Quinn Manis doesn't have to come in and start right away. He can learn the game. But from when he has played, when he has played, he's played well. He does have a background as a right tackle in high school, so there's also some position versatility there. He is projected as a center, not a left guard, but I, I think you can play him at either position and he'll be fine. He does have the strong hands and base to, to, to man that position, and I think he'll have. I think he has the football IQ again to play in the pivot. So he again, he doesn't have to start week one. This is a fourth round pick. In the fourth round, the beginning of the fourth round, you're just hoping for these players to pan out eventually. You don't need those guys to start right away. I think Quinn Minutes is a guy you stash, and you have him learn behind Richie Incognito. He may not have the, I'll say, the mentality of a Richie Incognito, but he is a physical guy with a motor and a fierce mentality. So he he's you know we all know about Incognito's past, and that's not Minutes, but I think he can copy Incognito's. Uh, his physicality in the middle of that offensive line and solidify that spot maybe next year if John Simpson doesn't pan out, if Andre James doesn't pan out, then you can stick Maynard in there and he could possibly start in 2022. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think we've seen we've seen some of these smaller school Division three prospects along the offensive line you know, come into the league and, and, and have success, even though there is that, that uptick in, in competition there. Just think back a couple of years, uh, Ali Marpet, uh, mm-hmm. drafted by the Buccaneers, came out of Hobart College, which Hobart College is about 30 minutes from where I grew up. In fact, I had some friends that played at Hobart College. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, 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 obviously it can happen. in Wisconsin-Whitewater, where uh, Marinez comes from, is a powerhouse in Division III. They're, they're usually one of the top five schools, you know, always competing for the Stag Bowl, which is the Division Three national title game. So good pick there. Um, you know, with my fourth round pick, you know, I continue to continue to uh, hammer the defense. with, And with this pick, I move inside to the interior part of the defense, and I select Bobby Brown the third out of Texas A&M. And I'm not talking about Whitney Houston's Bobby Brown, okay? Don't don't get it twisted. All right? Now, this guy is massive. He's 6'4", 321. He's got a huge frame. Long arms. 34 and 3 quarter inch arms. Uh, he's powerful. Decent speed, uh, foot speed for a man of his size. From what I've been reading, you know, he has the, the knock on him is that he does have the tendency to take some plays off. He hasn't quite developed that that motor where he's, you know, he's giving you, you know, his, his best effort on every play. And that's, that's kind of what you run into here. Now we're, we're middle of the draft year rounds four. these later rounds, you're going to have some of these prospects are going to have some issues. Nobody's a, a sure thing that at this point in the draft, but you know, if he can get with a, a, a coach like a Rod Marinelli who can 
get his hands on him and develop him, get him to clean up some of those some issues that he has. He has all the traits that you look for to be a very good defensive tackle. And we've talked about it. There's a lot of depth that they brought in along that defensive line. Um, you talked about Nixon not having to rush him in. Same thing goes for this pick here with with Brown. He could take a year to develop and 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 see if there's some upside there with him. And, and so there's no need to really rush him in to play. So uh, my pick there is Bobby Brown. Mo, let's move on to round five. The Raiders have two picks again in this round. Let, let's hear where you went with these two. Yeah, I mentioned this guy last time I was on the podcast with you, Jalen Twyman out of Pittsburgh. Uh, transit Aaron Donald. I don't expect him to beat Aaron Donald, but he's got a good mentor off the field if he's going to follow behind that mold. Uh, ten and a half sacks in 2019. He did opt out of 2020, and I want to get into that because that's a big thing with the Raiders. Mike Mack talked about that, that they're having a spirited discussion on whether to draft guys who opted out of the 2020 season. And I think at the end of the day, as Mack also said you have to look at the circumstance that this player just opt out because he just wanted to prepare for the NFL and just look ahead to the pros or did he have a situation at home with his family where maybe a family member was sick or he had a situation where he just felt like his health was you know in danger or concerned about his health so I think those are things you have to weigh of course Evan and I don't have that information because we we're not interviewing these players so only Mayock and Gruden the coaches know the, the reasoning or the, the backstory behind Twyman opting out of the 2020 season. But I will say, if he gets the green light, I think he's a guy that can step in also within within a year and have an impact on the interior along with a Davion Nixon. Because again, I know the Raiders signed Quentin Jefferson, Solomon, Tom, Solomon Thomas, who Evan and I don't think is going to make the roster because he's coming off an ACL. You got David Irving there who could also kick inside. There's also talk about Cleveland Farrell also kicking inside. But you want some long-term people who are going to be there who can get after the passer. And if you look at what Gus Bradley did with the Chargers, he drafted Jerry Tillery, who to me, Twyman is a shorter version of Tillery. These guys can get skinny inside and get after the pass, and that's what you want out of a fifth-round pick if you're going to have a guy in a rotation. He's not going to play every down. He's not an every-down defensive tackle, but it, on obvious passing downs in a nickel package, you want him in there to get to add some heat and add some pocket pressure. I think he can do that on a consistent basis with some development, of course. I, I had to tease you a while back because – uh... Timon is also one of those guys you've been you've been on for a while, and you've mm-hmm. again your loyalty coming through here. I had to tease you a while ago when he ran that forty yard dash because I saw that he was like the the it was like one of the slowest forty times, or, or he was like in the bottom percentile with his five point three nine. So I'm glad to see that didn't scare you off, Mo. No, I, you know what? To, speaking of that. There's also talk about Gregory Rousseau. I know we're not talking about him in, as a connection to the Raiders, but he didn't have an impressive pro day. And his agent, um, Drew Rosenhouse, came out and said that I believe he's invited to the draft. I'm not sure. You can check back on that. But I believe he's invited. Usually guys who are invited that first day in the green room are are probably going to be first-round picks. And Drew Rosenhouse made a point to go out there and say, I, I hear all the buzz, basically, about what's going on with his draft stock, but he's still going to be a first-round pick. And I will say this. I would be careful with, with these pro day numbers. I'm not saying pro days are, are no big deal because, I mean, I will say that a lot of these guys ran some 40s that you may question. But when a guy doesn't do well on a pro day, it kind of perks your ears up. You kind of raise some eyebrows because you're like, well, why isn't this guy doing well on a pro day? Did, did he not prepare for it? Is he not ready? 
I'm not too worried about it because I lean more so on the film tape of what he did versus, you know, one off. You know, some of us are bad test takers. Some of us are maybe bad pro day people. I mean, Orlando Brown Jr. a few day, a few years ago had a horrible pro day, ran one of the slowest 40 times, I believe, of offensive linemen. And now he's a few days ago, he traded to the Chiefs and the Chiefs had to give up some early round picks for him. So, again, I just I'm not too worried. Maybe it's my loyalty, as you said, but. I'm not too worried about Twyman, but also I understand that this is a fifth round pick. So if he hits and he looks like the player he was on tape, it's, you know, obviously it's a hit. If he doesn't, then, hey, it's a fifth round pick. You move on. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Now, um, at this point, you know, round five, I'm looking to add a little depth here. I don't think I'm going to be adding any starters to the roster at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they, I did that with my next uh, selection. I, I went with a, a guard, Royce Newman out of Ole Miss. You know, the Raiders are getting a little long in the tooth right now at guard, incognito, and, and Denzel Good. I think Good's maybe 31, so he's not terribly old. But, you know, um, in NFL years, he's not he's not, he's no spring chicken. But uh, I, I thought this was a good spot to grab another young guard to pair with John Simpson, who was one of the picks from a year ago. Uh, again, versatility is what I look for along the offensive line, and that's really kind of what attracted me to this pick. 22 starts in his career, 12 at left guard. 10 at right tackle. So I think he's kind of in that mold of a Denzel good where, you know, you can put him inside to play guard, but he does have some, some versatility, some experience to uh, kick out to tackle in a pinch if you ever needed him to do that sort of thing. And I, I do believe that's something that Tom Cable does really like and look for in his uh, offensive lineman, you know, the more position versatility you have, especially along the offensive line, the better chance that you're going to have to, uh, you know, make an impact. And, you, you know, you can only dress so many offensive linemen on game day. And if you're one of those guys that can play multiple spots, you're going to, you know, give yourself a, a better chance to, uh, you know, get yourself onto that uh, 53-man roster and in, in, in that game day roster as well. So, um, not necessarily a guy who I would think could come in and, and compete. Maybe you know find himself on the practice squad. Who, who knows? But a young player at a position where I think the Raiders uh, are getting a little bit old. So that is the first of my two picks in round five. Where did you go with your second pick in round five? Now this pick is not going to cite. A lot of people, because it, you know, some fans are expecting every pick to be a home run hit and be a starter right away. Uh, Avery Williams out of Boise State. I think this is going to be a Rich Basacha pick because he, I think he automatically comes in and becomes a special teams captain. Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Year in 2019. He did have four interceptions in his first two seasons and had 22 pass breakups in all four years at Boise State. He has some. He has some position versatility where I think. He did line up on the outside, but he projects as an as a slot cornerback. Uh, I believe he's under five ten, about one hundred eighty something pounds. So he's he's definitely going to play inside, kind of like an Amik Robertson, who I think deserves a bigger conversation. Well, I think the position deserves a bigger conversation. And I, I don't hear it talked about a lot, but I think the Raiders have a situation at, at slot in the slot where they need to add more depth or or someone to compete for that for that spot because. You know, Nevin Lawson is going to be suspended um, to begin the season. But I don't – obviously, Nevin Lawson is not the long-term solution at the spot. And, and Amik Robinson played on the outside at Louisiana State. And Mayock brought up the fact that him having to shift positions, he wasn't able to get his grasp on, on that role. So I think you're going to have to have somebody in the slot to compete with him. And I think Avery Williams can do that. 
Again, this is a fifth round pick, so he doesn't have to come in right away. But I think with some development under Gus Bradley and Ron Miles, I think he could become a playmaker because he has the short area quickness to play in the slot. He's not going to start on the outside. He's, he's under 5'10". He's too short, similar to Amik Robinson, who played outside at Louisiana Tech. But I think, with some, again, with some development, I think one of those two guys can emerge as a starter. And it, I wouldn't be surprised if Avery Williams gets gets the call there. Yeah, I agree with you on your thoughts about the the situation at, at in the slot, and I'll and I'll get more into that with my final pick. Uh, so I'll save some of those comments. But uh, my my next pick, my second pick in round five, one sixty seven overall. I also went uh, cornerback, and you talk about a, a developmental guy. Take take a listen to this guy. Um, this kind of reminds me of the Isaiah Johnson pick a couple years ago. Brandon Stevens out of SMU. This guy was a um, he was at UCLA for the first I think two years of his career. Um, and he was a running back for UCLA, um, and then transferred to SMU and changed his position to uh, a cornerback. So we're talking about a guy who has very, very little experience playing the position, but he does have the size that Bradley, uh, Gus Bradley likes with his corners, long six, one well-built two thirteen. He's a physical player because of the background as a running back. So, you know, he's, you know, he's going to be a physical player out there uh, in, in the cornerback position. And despite the fact that he's only played two seasons as a corner in his whole life, he was pretty productive last year. Or the, I'm sorry, the two years that he did it, he was fairly productive with 23 passes defended in, in, in two seasons. So again, we're talking about a developmental guy here. This may not be a pick who's even on the roster in a couple of years, but we are, you know, in the later rounds of the draft, and you're just looking at some upside here at this point. So I, I thought, based on what we have seen them do with a guy like Isaiah Johnson, I thought this pick. Uh, uh, made some sense. So let's have you go ahead. Now we're going to finish this thing up with our, our final pick here in round six. Yeah. I rounded this off with a, with a linebacker, Patty Fisher out of Northwestern. Now this is a running thing with us here with the defense three time team captain. So he, I like it. I like it. Yes. Played a lot of football, spent all four years at Northwestern playing in the middle of that defense. He was basically the quarterback of that defense. He was the only player who suited up last season with at least 400 tackles. So leadership, uh, a lot of football played, high football IQ, 24 and a half, I believe, tackles for loss. Therefore, interceptions, he had at least one interception every year. So again, he has the production. He has the experience. He has the mentality to step in. Let's say if Nick Kwiatkowski misses some time, I think you can plug Patty Fisher in and he can play. Of course, he's not the most athletic, but at the middle linebacker position, you don't have to be. You just have to be basically able to move in space and move well in the zone, which he does very well. I know there's talk about Tanner Muse coming back and he's decided to come off that injury, which landed him injured reserve last year. But I think Muse is more of a will linebacker on the weak side. Patty Fisher will take care of the middle, and I think he could step in right away because, again, he has the experience and he has the leadership skills to do it. All right, nice pick there in round six. Um, you know, what I did here with my final pick of the draft, I, I decided to double up at safety. And I also, not only did I double up at safety, but I also doubled up with uh, Syracuse safeties. I selected, and I'm not a Syracuse homer or anything like that, just because I live in, you know, <laughs> upstate New York doesn't mean I'm, uh, I'm actually not a Syracuse football fan at all. But um, mm-hmm. I went with uh, Trill Williams with my final pick. And, um, you know, I did some research on this this guy, watched a little bit of film on him today, actually, uh, along with Andre Sisco. 
over his three years, final three years at Syracuse, he switched up between cornerback, safety, and played plenty of nickel as well. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about the nickel position. Um, you know, I'm not totally sold right now with what the Raiders have going on in the slot. You know, Amik mm-hmm. Robertson was the pick last year, as you mentioned, and I was really excited about him. But from what we saw, you know, with his very limited snaps last year, he he didn't seem like he's ready. They did. They still. They do still have Nevin Lawson. I've never been a big Nevin Lawson fan. Um, it seems like every time you turn your, you know, <laughs> you turn the game on, the guy's giving up a touchdown. He's never had an yes. interception in his career. Uh, but they brought him back anyhow, and so he's he's going to be an option there. And uh, you know, I've heard some some people speaking about the idea of maybe moving Damon Arnett inside to mm-hmm. play a little bit in the slot. So they they do have a couple of options, none that really I bring me a ton of confidence. So I, I do think they will be looking to add a, a player in the draft that that brings some some ability to play in the nickel. Um, Williams picked up, you know, he's got some some. A production for interceptions, three of those interceptions he returns for touchdowns. So again, I'm looking for guys who can make plays because I just think this defense is just so desperate for playmakers, guys who can turn the ball over and, and create takeaways. It's just it's something that I've talked a lot about here tonight, and it's it's just not something that um, this defense has currently. So those are some of the, the traits that I was looking for w- with some of my my later picks. Really quick though, about the slot position. It it, it kind of baffles me because throughout the offseason, we always talk about, and not we, but other sites and Alice always talk about what what does the team need? What does that team need? What are the team's position needs? And how do you rank them? And I barely heard about the slot position with the Rays. And I think that's one of the bigger needs because as you, just like you, I'm not sold on any of the options there. Now, I think option 1A would probably be well, option one is probably Nevin Lawson, but again, he's going to serve a two-game suspension to start the season. So are you going to start Amik Robinson there? And you mentioned it. Is Damon, if they Let's say they sign a Richard Sherman after the draft, right? He's he's probably going to start on the boundary. Are you going to move Damon Arnett inside? I know he has experience there on the collegiate level, but he's he played the whole year on the outside. So are you really confident in that move for him coming out week one? So I, I don't understand why there's not – you know, a more robust conversation about the slot position with the Raiders. I guess people, again, assume that Amik Robinson is the guy. Like you, I was high on him coming out of the draft last year, but he hasn't shown anything yet. And I understand he was moving from the boundary to the inside, so it was going to be a little shaky for him coming in last year. But I wouldn't just say he's he's definitely going to be the guy if Never Lost is not going to start. I, I, I really believe the Raiders need some some fierce competition there in order to solidify the position. Yeah, all, all all true stuff and, and, and thoughts that I definitely share uh, with you. Now, uh, so that was our, our round six or our six round dueling mock drafts. Uh, feel free to you know reach out to us on Twitter after you give a listen to the podcast. DM us. Let us know what you think about some of the picks that we made, and uh, don't be afraid to you know beat us up too much. Um, and 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 Mo, before I let you go, um, you know just just one thing that I was thinking as I'm. You know, as we were working our way through this draft, and, and just kind of one last thing that I want to ask you about before we say goodbye here. Um, you know, I look at your draft. It looks like you have two offensive players, both being offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, for me, I have the same. No skill, no 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 skill players drafted, Mo. 
No. Um, do, do you think it's – would you be surprised at all, okay, if Gruden – because you know he loves his, his offensive players. Would, would you be at all surprised if he did somehow, um, you know, work work a skill player, perhaps a running back or a wide receiver? It maybe is this the year that he maybe drafts a developmental quarterback? What, what's your take on that? It, I, just to keep it short, I I will say this. I feel like he touched all the bases in free agency. I mean, I mentioned it early in the show. Willie Sneed, John Brown, brought back Zay Jones, added Kenyon Drake, didn't release Jalen Richard, who's still there. Theo Riddick is still on the roster. I don't think you need any more skill position players. Darren Wall, of course, has a tight end position down. Foster Moreau, I think, could have a pretty good year after after playing behind Jason Witten last year. And you still got Derek Carrier on the roster, who, who's more of a blocking tight end, but whatever. I, I think they have what they need at the skill position. So I think the focus just needs to be on the offensive line. Now, if you're asking me, Gruden cannot contain himself when it comes to <laughs> skill position players, especially wide receivers. I know earlier in the offseason, a lot of people said, well, if Jalen Waddle is there, do you think Gruden takes Jalen Waddle in the first round? I think there's a possibility of that, but I just think, I don't want to say it's a wasted pick, but to me, if you if you get a wide receiver early, it, what are you saying about Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards? You know, it, it's like, let those two guys develop. You, you drafted those two guys as top 100 picks Allow those guys to develop in those positions. You need to add another high pick at wide receiver. And, of course, at running back, you're covered with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake there. You're paying you know, one guy's a f- former first-round pick, and you're paying one guy $11 million in guaranteed money. So look to the offensive lines. You you let go of or parted ways with three of your offensive linemen from last year, Trent Brown, Gabe Jackson, and Rodney Hudson, all traded. So focus your energy there and on the defense, which is, has been a, a – a a situation the Rays have been trying to fix for decades. So again, I, I hate to say I hate to be that guy that says draft for need, but I, I think those those spots between just generally the defense under a new defensive coordinator and your new look offensive line, they they need more of that those areas need more of the help than a wide receiver than the wide receiver group or the running back group. Well there there you heard it. Uh <laughs> again Love having you on, Mo. Uh, great job. I don't know about you guys, but I think Mo and I would make some pretty good general managers. I don't know if everyone f- feels the same way, <laughs> but I think we made some good picks there. And uh, it's not easy, you know. Even mm-hmm. when you're on these little draft simulators, it, it's it's tough. So, uh, you know, I definitely don't envy uh, the job that Mike Mayock has. It's a lot of pressure and, you know. It's just the draft is just nothing's a sure thing in the draft, but it, it, it sure is fun. And I'm really looking forward to it, Mo. I know you are as well. And, uh, you know, I, I hope we can get you on shortly after the draft to kind of dis- uh, discuss and dissect all the picks that were made and, and see how how close or how accurate we came with some of our picks. Definitely. I, I, I mean, I'm going to have a piece coming out in the coming days where I'll, I'll say what I think the Rays are going to do and what I would do. Uh, most of the picks are, if you listen to this podcast and this show, then you're going to be familiar with a lot of the picks that I'm going to make. But I'll just hash it out for you guys if you you know, you know want to read it or whatever. But I will I will be back on, hopefully, with you to talk about these picks. I will say to the people out there, prepare for some surprises because the Raiders are good for that over the past few years with Gruden, with Mayock. There's always a surprise pick that we didn't research, we didn't look at, or we didn't consider that the Raiders are eyeing. So just look out for that this week and enjoy the draft. You too, Mo. We'll get you back on. Thanks again for your time and uh, go Knicks. 
Definitely appreciate you. All right. That was a fun time. I always look forward to doing this show each year with Mo, the our little mock draft special. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Just Pod Baby. It's a big week, draft week. Eight picks in the first six rounds for the Raiders. Hope you guys are all set. Hope all your research is done, your scouting is done. Now it's time to just sit back, relax, and enjoy. And let's hope that Mayak and Gruden make all the right picks. For my co-host, Mo Moten, I am Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby.